You can get it done. What's more, you gotta get it done. It's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Let's get the gleam, all right? Let's go. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. Hey, guys, where else would you rather be? This is Hour 2 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson on the WRAD Talk Network. in peace, Scott Whalen. 639-4900. That's the Baker Team Hotline. Text line's open for you as well. 744-2990. I'm just going to let Wicked Garden be the music here to update people on uh, school-related delays or weather-related uh, weather delays with schools. All right, here we go. Auburn Baptist Christian Academy. These are all two hours late. Bedford, Campbell County, Carroll County, Craig County, the Board of Supervisors, Craig County Schools as well. Craig County just shutting down for two hours. The transfer stations, it's mayhem in Craig. Dayspring Christian Academy is closed now. Hey, here's a one-hour Faith Christian Academy in Hurt, Virginia. The First Baptist Church of Galax Preschool is closed. Floyd County, two hours. Galax, Giles, Grayson, two hours. The Hughes Education Center in Christiansburg, two-hour delay. James River Day School, Litchburg City Schools, Monroe County, West Virginia, Montgomery County. Nelson County just said to hell with it. We're closed. Alaska County, Radford City, Smith County, Wythe County, all two hours late. New River Community College now opening at 10. That is your Stone Temple Pilots adjusted, updated information with uh, delays. All right, so I had a texture saying, yeah, you're right. This is great. Remember the old Sports Illustrated posters? Remember those? They were really well-made, and you'd have, you know, a big photo, a poster. That's what a poster is, right? A big photo of whomever it might be. And then it had, like, the white border, and it would just have the, the dude's name, the player's name there on top. Those were great. Man, I had a lot of those. 
I had, and I still have, my Randy Gratishar Denver Broncos Sports Illustrated poster. There was a John Elway that I had, a Keem Olajuwon that I had. I'm trying to think if there are any others that I had. Yeah, those things were awesome. A Tony Gwynn, I had that, obviously, being a Padres guy. But this texture, no name. I haven't seen this number before. Thanks for listening. He has a Burt Jones. Remember Burt Jones, the old Colts quarterback? He had a cannon for an arm, played in the mid to late 70s, but could not stay healthy. He was one of those original kind of two-way guys. He could run. He was a great athlete. Number seven for the Baltimore Colts. Man, he had a cool Burt Jones one he just showed me. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember those. Those were great. And why can't something like that make a comeback? Why can't why can't something that's cool? Now the sports posters are all weird for the most part. They're just But yeah, those old SI posters, I still have uh, a couple three of mine. I know I still have my Tony Gwynn, my Gratishar. I don't know if I still have the Elway or not. But that's what dudes had, man. Like every time you'd go over to your friend's house, they'd have those up. Whatever team they were associated with, they had that Sports Illustrated poster. You could just go, I guess you could go, well, like in the aforementioned former Hills Department Store or Rose's. What was that department store that was down? That was a Leggett, wasn't it? Downtown Radford? That was Leggett. Before it became Belk, it was Leggett. And I'm pretty sure there was one downtown Radford that had... um, Two tiers to it, an upper and a lower level. I don't know if they sold anything like those posters, though. But yeah, I do miss those. I love it when listeners show me stuff like that. And remember, man, you just remember your childhood. It takes you back to when you love sport. It takes you back to the whole thing of it. Before you get all tied into understanding how much of a business it is or... <laughs> Now with the portal, how hard it is for people to try to wrestle with what's going on in collegiate sports because of the portal and things like that, right? Just takes you back to that time. A lot of fun. Just a lot of fun. But those posters, man, those were those were very cool. And I, some of them are very collectible. All right, so now I've gotten four or five people confirming the uh, leg it was downtown Radford. Remember down here in Fairlawn? I don't know what's there now. Right in kind of behind uh, where the sheets is, they had the, uh, remember Hex? Hex Department Store? H-E-C-K-S? That one was cool too. Hex Department Store. Oh yeah, Wayne, you're right. The clear, I think now what do they call blister packs, the multi-packs of baseball and football cards at Roses. Yeah, they'd have them in a bin or hanging on the uh, the J-hooks. And you can see through the front and the back. And you could basically just go through and try to find somebody that you wanted. Wayne was looking for Pete Rose cards. Oh, yeah, those were great. Cello packs. And if I'm not mistaken, Wayne, many of those had like three different pockets of cards in them, didn't they? Like you had 
I don't know, maybe 20 cards, and then you had a middle section, and then you had the third one. Oh, yeah, heck yeah, man. Those were fun. And you'd be so excited. I would do the same thing. I did it with football cards, too. I'd look for any Broncos. Three sections confirmed. Yeah, those were cool. Yeah, you're right, man. That was Oh, those were great days. Still, though, to me, there was nothing like buying packs of baseball cards, football cards, basketball, whatever it was, and remembering that you would always hope to be able to go to one of those stores once you got up there and you would just go grab a few and just say, hey, can I get these? There was nothing, man, I'll tell you, you felt like you were the king of the world. Let's say you went in and you had lawnmower money, like I would mow yards and stuff. Or, Well, I didn't get paid for my farm chores. I had to do that. That was, that was payback for having a roof over my head and food, so I didn't get paid for that. But when I would go out and do work for other people, man, when you could go and I would blow it all at baseball carts. Oh, my goodness gracious. I mean, I'm... <laughs> couldn't wait man there was nothing like getting four or five packs and you sit there and you savor it right and hey you know what most of the time i chewed the gum oh yeah the gum in the back mess up the back card most of the time those were awesome those were absolutely awesome loved it loved it Absolutely loved it. <laughs> Wayne says he used to get a pack per hit in Little League. Wow, they were already giving you contract incentives. You got four for a home run. <laughs> Pressure's on, man. You got to step in and out of the box. All right, I got a three-run count. If I get a base knock here, I'm getting one pack. If I can drive this bad boy out of the park or hit it in the gap and score on the inside the park, or I'm getting four. That's a lot. It's a lot of pressure on a young lad. You hit a round tripper, baby, you're getting four packs of cards. I'm in. That's all I need. Yes, I'll play for your club. And those were fun times. You do. I do. Remi- the only thing I really reminisce about in my life is uh, things that regarded my sports fanship. Things that I remember early on that's carried over into my adulthood now into my professional life. Things like that. I love just recalling those things and finding like-minded folks like yourself that went through it. Right. Most of us were in the same boat. I mean, I found some really cool pages I'm going to post uh, coming up on the Facebook page. And we've talked about the old... Uh, Facebook, the electric friendship generator. We've talked about the old um, Sears wish book, or whether it was Montgomery Ward, whatever it might be, and those great pages that were in there with all the NFL-related you know, pajamas, room decor. Man, I found some really good ones, and I'm going to post those here soon. Bryant sends this in. Three posters he remembers having. Oh, my goodness. What a trifecta, Bryant. Earl Campbell, Walter Payton, the two greatest number 34s ever, 
Dan Fouts. Oh, that's cool. Dan Fouts, old number 14. Air Coriel. We mentioned Don Coriel yesterday. Former Oregon Duck, by the way, Dan Fouts. Bryant's a longtime Chargers fan. All right, Bryant. For you, man. My brother also always liked the Chargers. He grew up liking them because of the lightning bolt. He thought that was cool. <laughs> he did. He did. That's uh, that's three really good posters right there. I mean, that really is. You can't argue the two greatest 34s ever, right? Walter Payton and Earl Campbell. Thunder Thighs Campbell. And then Sweetness, who revolutionized the position of running back. Although I will say this, if you had to pick one running back, the greatest running back of all time, first of all, I'm going to separate Jim Brown. Jim Brown's the greatest football player of all time. He's in a class all to himself. All you have to ever do is go back and just type into YouTube, Jim Brown highlights. He left the game early because he wanted to get into acting. He was completely healthy. He could have played three or four more years and dominated. Took a long time for his records to fall after that. So I'm going to keep Jim Brown kind of like I keep Coach Wooden, Tony Gwynn, all my favorites. I'm going to keep Jim Brown separate. I had the luxury of meeting him back in 2004 at the Hall of Fame, just briefly. But I believe the best running back of the modern era is Barry Sanders. That would be my choice for the most dynamic running back that I've ever seen during my lifetime. Jim Brown was gone before I was watching football. But I think in terms of running backs that have come along, for me, it's Barry Sanders. I'm not saying that's absolute, but I get asked that a lot, and it's a great debate. They're all great players. I mean, you can't lose by picking Walter Payton, Barry, Earl Campbell, Eric Dickerson. I don't know, whoever you want to put in there, modern era, Emmett Smith. Emmett was a great back. I just don't put him in that class. I don't. Not take anything away from him. He's got the record. He earned the record. But I don't I don't believe he was he wasn't Barry Sanders. He wasn't Walter Payton. But Jim Brown, he is a side. He is it. Text message here is Tom Brady the greatest. Tom Brady is not the greatest physical specimen of a quarterback. Tom Brady does not have the greatest physical gifts at the position. But in overall resume, with the winning, isn't it amazing how they attribute all the championships to Brady, part of his all-time greatness, yet they'll tell you, hey, the worst measure for a quarterback is wins and losses. (laughs) Really? Okay. So you're telling me you don't want to measure quarterbacks on pure wins and losses, but one of the reasons that Brady's the greatest and I don't disagree, is that he has all these wins and all these championships. Okay, gotcha. Yes, in in totality, 
Talking isn't easy for me this morning with an hour and 45 minutes sleep. Yes, Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. Yes. He's not by far anywhere near the most physically gifted, which maybe makes what he accomplished even more impressive. John Elway has the strongest arm I've ever seen at the position. Jeff George had one of the strongest arms ever. He washed out in the league. Terry Bradshaw had a cannon. Some of the mobility you see out of current quarterbacks, Tom Brady could never even think about. Peyton Manning had a better overall, I think, throwing skill set than Brady. But in terms of leadership, lifting up teammates, being a championship quarterback, and yes, making all the necessary throws, and a lot of times he didn't have very good receivers. He had to make a lot out of whatever was there. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, here we go. We've got breaking news here on the program. Jim from Smith Creek comes through in the clutch. Jim from Smith Creek says, At sunrise in the Smith Creek area, no shadow to be seen. Winter will be over quickly for the third straight year here on BDST. I didn't have someone actually here with me at the studio to do it. I sent it out there. And Jim from Smith Creek sent a nice picture. No shadow. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. We will have a quicker beginning to spring for the third straight year. The BDST infallible weather forecasters have deemed it so. Thank you very much, Jim. And when you live in a place like Smith Creek, that only gives you even more credibility as a budding meteorologist or woodland rodent. (laughs) As we'll hear from later today with Puxatani Phil. I'm very happy now to know that once again, springtime will be here quicker. Thank you, Jim from Smith Creek. Awesome. Best listening audience in radio history. All of you guys and gals. We'll be back. Andy Bitter in about 10 minutes. Hope you're doing okay. Spread the word. Jim from Smith Creek did not see his shadow. You can start putting those coats away a little early. We'll be back. The Big Dog for a Walk. Oh, just the people I'd want walking around all licked up. Listen to Big Dog Sports Talk anywhere with the TuneIn app. More BDSD next on WRAD. Our news hit about to happen, and we'll connect with Andy Bitter. 
the White Vic coming up as well, 835. We'll get Andy's take on the scheduling. That got a JUCO commitment as well. Talk to him about that. Here comes the hit right now. There we go. We're motoring along here on a uh, Thursday morning. Hope you're well wherever you might be. Great to hear from so many people. Thanks again to Jim from Smithfield. No shadow from Jim. Awesome. We'll be back with Andy when we return. and you're listening to Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Yeah, and the Kansas Comet there, Gail Sayers, had his career not been cut short, probably would have been the greatest of all time, to be honest. Welcome back to the program. 36 minutes past the hour. Hope you're doing okay wherever you might be. Thanks for putting up with my lack of slumber, getting back from Clinton, South Carolina last night from Radford Basketball. A little after 2 a.m., then up at 4. Hey! Fresh as a daisy. We'll get back to your text messages, a lot of them coming in, thanks to our listener, Jim in Smithfield, who did not see his shadow. It's great news for us winter haters. Joining us now on the program from The Athletic, he covers Virginia Tech football. His name is Andy Bitter. A.B., how are you? Good morning. I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Doing okay, man. Doing okay. By the way, before we get started, I wasn't aware, our listeners made me aware, and you probably already knew, because you're very good at this pop culture stuff. Did you know there was a Chips movie made a few years ago? Uh, yeah, it was like, wasn't it from the same guys that did uh, 21 Jump Street? Well, that whole crew? I guess I looked it up and I didn't know who the main actor was. So I'm like, okay, now I know why I missed it. I had no idea this thing existed. I don't know how I missed it. Who was the main actor in that? Was it like, um, like Dax Shepard? Yes, something? yes, it was. I've never heard okay, of that name. Yeah. <laughs> He was on the original Punk, but way back in the day. Really? That was like a thing. Only, yeah. Only Dax I know is Hollyfield. I, I didn't know. I had no idea. I, oh, I think no it's Dax. I think that one's... Oh, I, I can't remember. his is Dax. I'd have to... All right. <laughs> maybe it is Dax. Whatever. Okay. It's, it's, I, don't, I, didn't, I never saw the movie, but I was aware of it. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm just behind the times. All right, uh, take us through your conversation with Brent Pry. This is good stuff now. Coming out of recruiting, we'll get into the commitment they just got of this JUCO. But um, what kind of insight did you get from Coach in your latest conversation with him? Yeah, it was interesting because it was kind of a different signing day than what you're used to. Yeah, Usually it's like a big frenzy, but that was in December. So this was pretty low-key. He sat with him in his office, and he actually had like an Apple playlist it was just sort of like Southern rock kind of played in the background the oh, whole yeah. time. It was like the band version of Atlantic City and Bob Dylan and like, I don't know, it's been very uh, laid back uh, for for being signing day. But you know, he's optimistic about the off season, as you'd expect. I mean, he was, he was optimistic during a terrible season last year, so you have to imagine he's optimistic right now. But he, he likes the additions that they brought in. He thinks the roster... You know, he doesn't think there's any, uh, you know, any jobs that are safe necessarily in the 2D, but he feels a lot better about what he called the commodities, the known commodities on the roster. And I, I think people say, like, oh, guys that have played, like, no, like, like skill sets 
in terms of, of size and speed and, and competitiveness. I think he feels there are fewer holes on the roster this year. Where last year, uh, you know, there were some spots where they just kind of had to play somebody. And whether or not that person was playing well, they didn't have another option to go to. I, I think there are fewer of those position liabilities this year where, you know, if somebody's not playing well, they maybe can go to somebody else who has some of those same skill sets that, that might be able to contribute. So uh, I think it's just about improving this roster slowly but steadily and, and, you know, cutting down some of the spots that really hurt them last year. How much did he get into the O-line and the depth there? We've talked about that. Um, maybe there's guys they really, really <clears throat> like that didn't get a chance to see the field much last year. Yeah, he said they went after somebody in the portal that they wanted that they did not get. Uh, he's still open to adding somebody uh, in the spring. He said sometimes those offensive line guys come come free in, in the spring after after spring ball that would go in the portal. It's a tough position uh, to add, as we, we've talked about a couple times here. But he, they like the young group. Uh, there might be a little bit of shuffling around. It sounds like Caden Moore might, might try his hand at center. Uh, they want a little bit more math. At that center spot, a little bit more push from there than, than maybe they got last year with, with Johnny Jordan, who was a good player, but not the biggest guy in terms of sort of setting the, the tone there in the middle. So uh, it's a young group, but you know Xavier Chaplin, Braylon Moore, Johnny Garrett, they really like all those guys. They just got to get them some reps. Andy Bitter joins us on the program. He writes for The Athletic covering Virginia Tech football and I thought it was a nice uh, little two-way you had about his staff right I mean uh, he wanted to make sure everybody stayed in place that they were supported it's about that consistency right that he's talked about and in, in, in relationships he said that as well every week even when things were going badly and you did a nice job out that was a great point I, I always forget about Miami releasing Josh Gaddis firing him I still can't believe that but Tech didn't do that right they kept them all together it seems like a very Virginia Tech thing to do. Like Miami fires its offensive coordinators, you know, fancy high-priced coordinator after one year at <laughs> right. Virginia Tech, even though it did worse during the season. It's like, we're going to roll with these guys and keep them in place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, for a couple reasons, I think that makes sense. One, you know, Tech doesn't have the money that Miami does. They just kind of throw around, you know, throw, set aside a, a Broyles award-winning uh uh, assistant coach after a year and just pull the plug on that whole thing and bring in somebody new. And, and two, you look back to, to Frank Beamer's time, That's he was fiercely loyal to his guys. And, and maybe early on that got him in trouble, but once he found the right guys and kept them here for a long time, they won a lot of football games once they got this thing rolling. So I, I think Pride wants to separate uh, the process from the result last year. And yeah, the results are bad, but he thinks the process was good. He thinks the the coaches were uh, the, the correct guys to have in the right spots. And as soon as they can, you know, get the roster fixed and, and maybe get a little bit more talent in here and, and start getting those guys going, that the culture is right and the teaching is right. And you know, that's kind of how how he's looking at this whole thing. So, you know, who knows if he's right? <laughs> you know, yeah. if they have another rough if they have another rough season. That's going to be a really hard argument to sell again. And maybe there's more changes on the horizon if that's the case. But, uh, you know, he put these guys in place and he believes in the plan. So he's, he's keeping them in place right now. 
Well, and he had to work a little hard to keep one of these guys, right? I mean, Fontel Mines had a couple opportunities from the Big Ten. So, um, Coach Pry realizes how important he's been in recruiting and wanted to make sure he didn't lose that guy. Yeah, and that was a pretty significant bump they gave him, $150,000 in salary plus some retention bonuses. Uh, You know, you you don't have to think too hard to figure out that Penn State was one of those schools that was coming after him. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Pry didn't come out and say that, but – you know, read between the lines on this whole thing. And when they hire Marcus Haggins out of Virginia, uh, you can put two and two together on that whole thing. So, you know, it, it's a couple things. It's keeping the staff intact, keeping a guy that's been a, a really good recruiter for them, especially in the Richmond area. And it's avoiding having him go to one of your chief recruiting rivals who has come down and poached in the state. Uh, you know, you don't want to send Fontel Mines up to Penn State and all of a sudden he's in the Richmond area going after guys that you're trying to get yourself. So uh, it made a lot of sense. And, you know, the salary commitment that Virginia Tech has made to, to bump up uh, salaries for assistant coaches, I mean, 470, or 425, I think, is what Mines is making right now. I mean, that's not too far off from some, you know, the coordinator pay previously. Uh, you know, when Brad Cornelson mm-hmm. and, and Justin Hamilton and those guys were here. So... Uh, it just kind of shows you that the price keeps going up on these coaching salaries because uh, that's just the way things work in college football. Well, and and as you highlighted as well, it's so important. Now is that developmental stage, right? Here it is now. You have all these guys in place. You're still trying to go out and recruit, but that is going to be huge once again. Year two of the development with the turning guys and then all these new pieces to see how they fit. Yeah, and, and you know, Pride described it as sort of an experimental time in uh, you know, March and or late February and, and March and, and through the spring game. Uh, you know, I asked him, you know, is this offense going to be drastically different? He said no, uh, but it it will have some tweaks. There will be some things they try out, and there's personnel things that allow you to do different things than, than previously. He did say that he does think the the, the quarterback has to be a running option in this offense. And, you know, you, you hear that, and you go, oh, Kyron Rollins. But then he mentions, you know, I think Grant runs the ball better than people give him credit for. And you saw a little bit of that late last year. So I, I think it's just going to be, you know, kind of honing this thing to figure out what works and what works better, obviously, than last year. Uh, they didn't do a very good job of that. So they got to spend this time uh, in the spring you know, really mixing and matching and, and trying to find what, what works best with this offense and what can and push the ball down the field. Uh, at least this year they have some new toys in terms of the receiver transfers, the running back transfer drones, a quarterback. Um, you know, a few more pieces that they can they can play around with to figure out if they can get this thing rolling. Andy Bitter joining us on the program from The Athletic. All right, so uh, tell the peeps about uh, this signee they had. Maybe a little bit of a surprise, at least when it was revealed. They get a Juco by the name of James Jeanette for that defensive line. Yeah, a little bit of a surprise in terms of the timing in that I thought it would be later uh, that he'd sign when he was coming here. It sounds like there was a class he was working with in his his junior college. But uh, they signed him. He's 6'5", 215 is what Pry said yesterday. Uh, so he's got to pack on some size. They view him as more of a developmental guy. I know it says a four-star uh, transfer on the 247 Sports uh, rankings. Uh, this could be a guy that could take a little bit of time, though, before he can contribute. He's got to pack on some weight. 
Uh, you know, he, he's got the size and the length on the edge. Uh, you look at his history in college, not a ton of production, though. So that four-star rankings kind of baffles me a little bit uh, that it comes out. I'm like, this isn't that guy that you just plug and he plays and it makes a big effect. I think it's going to you know, take some development before he can get going. But they, they needed somebody on the edge. I think they're still looking if, uh, you know, as Price said, a bona fide guy becomes available and they can get him. Uh, they would go after him, but that's a little bit more rare at this stage of the transfer portal uh, calendar. So uh, they got what they got at defensive end, and I think this guy can help them in the long term. But short term, probably going to have to rely on the guys that you have, I think. Well, uh, the ACC schedule released. What were some of your thoughts when you perused the tech slate? We knew the opponents, but seeing it laid out in black and white as it was. You mean the the Big East, the Big uh, East. Atlantic yeah. Division slate that they play? Yeah, absolutely. Wow, <laughs> it's strange, isn't it? You, it is. you don't see it Miami is. or Georgia Tech or North Carolina or Duke. Like those have become mainstays in Virginia Tech's schedule. Now they're, you know, they got almost the entire Atlantic Division on there, minus Clemson. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's just it's a strange schedule. I, I think it starts out tough. You look at how they opened the, the conference with Pitt, Florida State, and Wake Forest. Uh, that's pretty rough. Those are teams that won 27 games last year. I mean, Pitt always gives them trouble no matter where they play. Florida State could be the best team in the in the ACC. I mean, you're talking about them or Clemson, I think, are going to get voted preseason. Probably Clemson, but the way Florida State finished, it wouldn't surprise me if they stole some votes from the Tigers. And then... Wake Forest, I know Sam Hartman leaves, but they've been plug-and-play at that program. They've continued to win, really, no matter who the quarterback has been. So, uh, you know, that's a tough way to open, and that's before the open week. Uh, You've got that non-conference schedule with no FCS game, so nothing's a gimme necessarily. I mean, Old Dominion might be the easiest game with the the non-conference, and we all remember what happened last year with that. That game is here, so it's a little bit easier, but... Uh, Rutgers, Purdue, uh, Marshall. Again, I'm not saying any of those are gimmies. The way Virginia Tech played last year, I wouldn't say any are a sure win there. So you look at the first seven games, you kind of have to survive that to get to the second half where you got BC and UVA and you know, who knows what's going on with Louisville with the coaching change, everything there. I mean, there's a little bit more winnable games in the second half of the schedule, certainly in the ACC portion, than the first half. So. Uh, they got to get this thing fixed in the offseason and go in the right direction because it's not very, not too forgiving on the front half of the ACC schedule. Well, that was that was my impression, just seeing and, and not seeing that Miami logo or that Carolina logo or that Duke D, right? It's like, wow, this is a new world. Even Georgia Tech, right? And I know the divisions are gone, but it is something when you see that Tech basically plays the entire Atlantic other than Clemson. So there you go. It's 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 weird. It is weird. Yeah, Miami, I think, comes back on in 2025. Yeah. And that schedule looks a little bit more normal in terms of what Tech fans are used to. With, like, I feel like the split was just strange for Virginia Tech. I don't know if it's going to be this jarring for everybody else in the league, but also they're playing just brand-new teams. Uh, compared to what they've been doing. But for Virginia Tech, that's certainly how the split went down. It's almost like they're playing an Atlantic uh, schedule this year, next year, and then back to the Coastal uh, the years after that. 
Well, it's going to be very intriguing, and we'll see how fans adapt to that as well. What are you working on now? I mean, that was good stuff, by the way. That was great. I was just sitting here reading it and going through all the comments from Coach Pry. What do you got cooking here on the horizon for Tech fans? Uh, I still have a bunch of positional stuff that I talked with Pry about that I'll be writing today. Uh, like I mentioned last week, I got that Ronald kick, Ronald Curry, Michael yes, Vick story. Yes, I, I've I've talked to both of them. I talked to their high school coaches. I've talked to David Teal, who's <laughs> a, a authority on the subject. Uh, I, I've got a bunch of guys. I'm fully out of excuses. I have to write the story now. So hopefully <laughs> that's coming in the, the near future. Uh, that should be a good one. I think. Uh, oh, I can't wait to get into that. That's going to be a lot of fun. All right, A.B., thanks for your time, man. Appreciate you so much. I hope you and your fam have a great weekend. All right, sounds good. There you go. That's Andy Bitter from The Athletic. Great stuff and a great conversation, by the way, that he had with uh, Brent Pry about recruiting, about the process, about year two. I mean, it's uh, really invaluable stuff if you're a Tech fan. Great stuff. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Hope you're doing well wherever you might be. Wrapping up Hour 2 when we return. Dwight Vick at the bottom of Hour 3. Just got a text that Pulaski County Schools are now closed. <clears throat> the absolute best sports talk in the New River Valley, period. And you can quote us on that. That's the fact, Jack! That's the fact, Jack! More Big Dog next on WRAD. Two thanks to Andy Bitter. That was a great conversation, man. That was some nice educational pieces about where tech is as they head into February. Groundhog Day today. Appreciate Jim in Smithfield. He went out, took a picture, did not see a shadow. That means warm weather's on the horizon. Three years running here on the program. We're not getting into the whole... Let's see what the calendar says, and we're going to have that prediction. Because here soon on the news, you're going to hear that they're going to they have to do that at daybreak, right? They don't let that thing go. We're going to find out. Puck's a tiny feel, and I'm sure that's going to be, oh, he saw his shadow. As if he's actually telling the dude in the top hat, hey, yeah, there it is. See right there against the tree. Yep. Can I go back in my, uh, can I go back in my burrow now? Can I get out of here? <laughs> But I'm just going to say, I'm going to trust the actual human beings. That's three years running now, whether it was Logan who fell down when he was outside doing the check. <laughs> and as he was rolling around on the pavement, said, nope, I never saw my shadow. Whether it was Neil last year who did it. And now Jim and Smithfield, three years running. We have done the test and we have not seen a shadow here on the program. It's science. Right? It's science. Yes, it is. BDST science. So get ready for warmer weather on the horizon. It's science. (laughs) 
All right, one more hour to go. Go, Doctor! Oh, Nelly! Dwight Vick in about half an hour. The 8 o'clock power hour. Get back to your text messages, and we'd love to hear from you. Big win for Radford last night. Eight in a row for Dares Nichols Club. We'll be back.